Welcome to Uncommon Real Estate, where it's all about finding creative solutions for real estate agents and investors. In exclusive mastermind conversations with some of the brightest minds in real estate, you'll learn how to earn an extra six figures a year. Don't follow the herd. Be uncommon. Here are your hosts, multi-millionaire real estate agent and investor, Chris Craddock and Jeff Safright. So I'll give a quick uh, intro. Um, Ali runs a consulting business, helps uh, sales teams build out um, their sales force. And, you know, frankly, just the total stud. Ali and I got to know each other. We're in a mastermind together. We meet down in Tulum and uh, uh, we're in a mastermind, although Ali decided he was too cool to hang with us this year and uh, uh, in February. And uh, yeah, so missed you at the jungle gym, which by the way, if, if you're not on, uh, you know, and I, I posted a bunch of stuff on my Instagram, uh, Crad Rock is uh, the Instagram handle. Um, but the uh, jungle gym last year was absolutely phenomenal. It's like literally Fred Flintstone style weights. Uh, it was just crazy, but we miss you, Ali. It was so much fun. So anyway, with that said, Ali, tell us about yourself. Like, where were you? What are you doing now? What's your business doing? And like, where are you headed? Man, business is so good right now. Um, I'd, I'd like to believe we're in some sort of a recession proof business, knock on wood. As soon as you say that, right. That's when you destroy everything. But, um, we're, I mean, with what we do, I mean, people need our services now more than ever before. Um, so I, this year I was just so busy. I'm just so packed. Um, I'm actually about to uh, jump on a flight in about 10 minutes or as soon as this is done, I got to run to the airport. But um, it's uh, what, what was the question? What was I doing? Why wasn't I in Tulum? I was in Tulum because I'm busy as, as hell right now. But uh, what we actually do is... Um, we help companies build out their sales teams. So effectively what we do is we'll come in, we'll really first look at your strategy, uh, what's going well, what's not going well. I can dive into that. That's a whole host of you know different problems right there. Um, but then from there, then we'll look at the people component. Because at the end of the day, I mean, you're going to have, you're going to need salespeople in order to be able to sell your services. And that's what we do. Right, right. That's awesome, man. So what were you doing before you started that? Like what, what kind of set you up? Cause I mean, everything that we do leads us to where we are now right. and you're obviously killing it. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to learning some, uh, some of the really most interesting hiring uh, best practices that you've learned over the years. But, uh, but what brought you to the place that you are now? So I was, uh, I, I got my start in sales when I was uh, 19 years old. I was the guy that would go door to door selling life insurance. So um, you never saw me before. I it was dropped off in the middle of a small town and, um, you know, we just we start canvassing. And so I had to sell myself to get inside of your house. And then um, once I got inside your home, uh, you never saw me before. But in two hours, I got your social, I got your medical history and I got your uh, bank account information. And then once you once you bought some insurance, you never saw me again after that. So that was pretty much, uh, you know, kind of a day in life. Did that for about four years. Uh, built up a sales team of 50 reps. Really kind of cut my teeth there. But ultimately, I knew I didn't want to be, uh, you know, a life insurance salesman for the rest of my life. Uh, not, not, nothing wrong with it. It's just that wasn't my passion. I just didn't care about it enough. So from there, um, I was the, you know, then I became a CRO, the chief revenue officer for an organization. And then we were Inc. 500, uh, three, four years in a row, uh, fastest growing organizations in, in the world. And then uh, now I'm just, uh, once once that life was done, then from there on, I decided to start up Rose Garden. And effectively what we do is we help companies scale their sales teams. So 
that has been my journey from start to where I am today. That's awesome, brother. All right. So, um, so tell us, because I mean, almost everybody on, on here, all the people that will be listening um, are obviously we're all in the sales industry. What are you seeing is the difference between um, high producing salespeople and low producing salespeople? I'll tell you, I, I always joke that I've got PTSD around hiring because I rarely hire medium grade people. I usually always hire like total rock stars or people that are terrible, <laughs> like, like just really, really bad. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not really good in the, in the middle. And I'm curious, what are you seeing? Like, as far as why, why would you say that is like, what, what should salespeople be or people looking to hire salespeople look at? Commitment. I mean, it, that's, that's what it boils down to. I mean, I just, I, I love these guys and I'm not sure if you guys are those or what, but I love these guys that are just like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go and hire 10 guys, put them all on hundred percent commission and um and hope that they produce something it's just like like think about it right like think of, like chris i know you got some kids uh jeff i'm not sure how, you know, what, if you got kids or what age they are but let's just say you got a 17 year old 18 22 year old son right comes home and says dad i just got a sales job okay and you're gonna be like oh okay how much do they pay you well no it's 100 commission they're gonna give me a list of leads and i'm just gonna start calling them and and then the, what, what's the first thing you guys think when your son comes home and tells you that you're like okay here's a scam Right. Like, I mean, we, we know that this isn't a scam, but I mean, at the end of the day, like wh what is this person's thought process? Like how much commitment do they really have to your organization? And how much commitment do you have towards them? So that's like the number one thing. Now I'm not saying that that doesn't work. Remember that's the world I come from. That's, that's where I've really made my money um, is the hundred percent sales arena. But you have to understand the world has changed since when we were kids. Right. And when I say that I'm, I'm 32, I'm almost 33. When I was 19, from that to where we are today, these kids with their Instagram and on their phones, they don't, they don't work. They don't care. You have to find professionals. And a professional is not going to work for 100% commission. There's a 1,000 organizations out there. They're going to throw $150,000, $200,000 at this person. I'm not saying that's what you need to do. But you, what I'm saying is you need to be committed to your team and you need to be committed to growth. So you need to hire professionals. You need to have a proper hiring process. You need to have a proper vetting process. It can't be that old throwing up, you know, stuff against the wall and something's bound to stick. So that's the number one thing that I see. That's the difference between organizations that actually scale and actually make it versus the ones that just are, you know, in the cycle of repeating over and over again. They make their two, three, four, five million dollars a year, but that's through pure hustle. And every single year, it's that same hustle over and over again because you bring in 10 sales guys and all 10 of them leave because then or you gave them like some sort of draw or something like that. You can make whatever excuse you want, but if you don't have proper commitment to your salespeople, they have zero commitment towards you. Right. So in the real estate industry, where are you seeing, um, I mean, I guess who, who is your average avatar? Who are you normally working with? I'm working with organizations that are about, you know, between three to five sales reps. They've got something good going um, and they want to scale it. They say, okay, I, I see the market demand. I know what we're offering there. Um, you know, we could beat out the competition, but we don't have all the systems and processes and structures in place. I've got three to five reps. It's going okay, but it's not going great. But if I had everything finely tuned, then I could feel comfortable in order to be able to bring in 50 reps and really take this thing to the next level. That's when we come in. And that's when we'll build all that stuff out for you so that you know how you're hiring, you know, you know, why you're firing, how you're holding everyone accountable, how you're paying them. 
what they're saying when they get on the phones and there's some level of uniformity. We build out all the processes and scripts and all of that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. So um, do you work with uh, many people in the real estate industry? Yeah, no, I've got, uh, got, got a couple uh, of our multiplier brothers uh, that were, were clients as well. Um, I've got uh, a few organizations that, that are in the real estate um, industry. I mean, most, most of our businesses, you know, tech, SaaS, uh, service-oriented businesses, just because those are the ones that, like, are not playing business. They're the ones that actually want to take that next step, right? I, I feel like a lot of people in real estate, they make their money through their investments. They make their money through, um, you know, other means and their real estate. They just, again, not, there's not an indictment on everyone, but the, the guys that I've run into, they treat it like a hustle. They don't treat their business like a business. They treat it like a hustle because most of their money comes through their quote unquote passive income. And that's really what they're more focused on building is their portfolio. Sure. Sure. So, um, Jeff, do you have any questions? I got a, I got a bunch of questions before we, you know, yeah. I, anyway, do you have any questions here before we jump in? Well, I, you know, I'm definitely, I guess it's always, um, in your situation where you get to consult with work with a lot of different companies on their strategies uh, and, and systems processes that they have in place, you know, it, it's, it's oftentimes easier to have that outsider's perspective outside looking in sometimes and, and, you know, kind of be able to critique what is right. So I, I would, you know, it's probably a broad question, but I would love to, you know, hear your thought process on, you know, like you said, you know, a lot of real estate seems to be a hustle, uh, they rely on their, you know, on their passive income investments, et cetera, on making their money outside of it. Um, but if you were to do it or, or do it differently, you know, how would you, you, you know, I, I guess what is your recommendations or, you know, what would you do, you know, and differently if you were to step into this role? Yeah, no, I think it, it's all about nuance, right? Um, so again, real estate, I don't know, maybe you guys will agree, maybe you'll disagree with me. Real estate has made a lot of people very wealthy and has made um, even more people quite comfortably rich. And I sometimes success is the worst teacher. And so you end up becoming rewarded for your bad behavior. And obviously, you can lose your shirt real quick in real estate if you make a couple of big mistakes. But most people that have twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars to put down, you know, they do a little bit of due diligence and just even a little bit of due diligence, appropriate due diligence, you know, for the most part, speaking in generalities, will protect you and 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 you will, you know, profit. So as a result, in doing just a little bit of work, people are rewarded quite well. And so that's where then they say, Okay, let me see how can I keep this going? And then they'll buy their own, own properties, whether it's multifamily, whether it's, you know, flips or whatever it is that they're doing, they always kind of keep those a little bit separate. They keep their investments, their own investments, and their business a little bit separate. That's the problem that I have. I'm not saying you need to combine them. But what I'm saying is this is looked at as a means to fund this, which is, and I'm not sure if everyone can see the video, but like the, the, the business is used as a means to fund the portfolio, which is okay. That's fine. But then the business gets put on the back burner. So that's where that nuance is, is businesses are businesses. All successful businesses are run effectively more or less the same way. Run the business like a business, run it properly. 
and that's and that's that's all I that's all I would say. Now we can get into you know the the nitty gritty and the details of what it means to run a business properly. But uh, I gave the first example right away: is stop hiring 100% sales commission reps where you don't give them any training, you don't give them anything, you give them a phone and a piece of paper and say go make calls. On what planet is that building out a team, right? Like that's you just literally saying if you make me 50 bucks, great. If you don't, you can leave tomorrow. Brother, that's it's so funny. I. I talk to so many people in the real estate agency world and that is how it gets done. And frankly, it's just, it, I mean, it just doesn't work. That's why you see people turnover, turnover, turnover. And um, you also see that people are, you know, you bring in low level people and the high level people don't want to be in business with the low level people. And the low level people are going to end up chasing the high level people out and then you're going to have nothing left. And um, yeah, I, I mean, literally, I, I remember I personally did that early on in my career. I just, anybody that wanted to do it, we just said yes. And the, the crazy thing is, you know, we just launched in uh, our, our retail team in Baltimore. And it, it's pretty amazing because we, we said no to probably about 30 or 40 people to get to the yeses. And the people we brought in, I mean, they're just stellar. They're just really, really, really good. And it's, it's just so interesting because we never treated it like that. We, we've always read it, but then, in, you know, when you're looking at, at like practice versus like theory, you know, theories, you know, like, oh yeah, 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 that's great. But then, then you're like, oh, maybe this person can work. And actually I'll say one last thing that I thought was interesting. Um, there's a, a pastor, Stephen Furtick. Some people like him, some people hate him. But I saw a, a one minute clip where he was talking about dating. And I think dating and hiring are very similar. And on it, he said, he's like, ladies, you're, you guys are all looking for these, these men based on their potential. He's like, always, always hire on or always, always bring them in based on patterns, not potential. Patterns, not potential. And yeah, I, I think that's the biggest problem is a lot of times we're looking to bring people into our organization based on potential. But literally everybody's got potential. What's their pattern? Yeah, well, and, and you're not going to invest in this person. You're not even going to give them anything, right? Like, you're not going to give them anything. You're not going to invest in them. You're not going to train them and support them and onboard them properly. How will that potential ever be actualized? Hey, explain that to me. Right. Yeah, I mean, not at all. <laughs> and I mean, if you're hoping this person is a self-starter and just going to be self-motivated, what did they need you for? Like, <laughs> the barriers of entry are very low, very, very low. Right. I mean, if you're, if you're, cause I mean, it's gonna be what, 10, 15 minutes before they can figure out they can wholesale something and be out no money. It's just a piece of paper to another person, right? Like maybe $8 on a Facebook ad, right? It doesn't work that way, but you know what I mean? Like that's where their brain will start going if they're a self-starter and they'll, they'll cobble it together and they'll make something work. So it's just like, I don't like, there's no rationale and logic in the way in which some of these guys do it. And that, that's, that's not to say that they're, they're unintelligent. Most of the time, the people that are making these mistakes are very intelligent people. The problem is, again, usually most pe people have a unique ability and they operate inside that unique, unique ability, which is fine, as you should. The problem because it becomes is that they ignore everything else and they look to hack everything else. And that's where the hustle begins. They're not looking to run a proper business and you don't look at the proper functions of a business. You don't set it up properly. That's the problem. Cool. Yeah. And, and with that, I mean, that goes back to why people are out the door, you know, and, and I'll, I'll tell you, I just, I was just having a conversation with uh, some good friends of mine, two of them that where they were just having people out the door, out the door. And I think 
we started talking about it and we're like, why do people, why are people leaving? And the reality is they weren't running it like a business. They weren't adding value to everybody. They're like, Hey, come in and just, you just do your thing, you know, versus being able to add value, you know, being able to say, have set appointments, have like literally a business running. And if you don't have that, then yeah, at some point, like all high achievers are going to be like, yeah, thanks. Uh, I can make my own goals. <laughs> it's, it's also, it's also, a, it, you know, culture breeds culture, right? So, I, I mean, you know, as you're saying, like the, 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 the patterns is that this is the way that you establish and build your real estate business, real estate team, et cetera. There's not a lot of patterns. There's not a lot of uh, examples, at least that I'm familiar with that have different models. And, and it, and it really is kind of going to the other piece of this back, what you're saying earlier is, you know, it like, it's, it's kind of a shame the way that real estate is looked at by, uh, you know, even myself, you know, it took, it probably took two years before I really gave real estate a, a serious consideration from when people started suggesting that I, that I should do it because it has this kind of stigma to it. Right. And, and it's, and it's really a shame because there is a lot of money to be made. There's great careers. There's great freedom. There's, there's, you know, it, it's radically changed my life since I, since I've jumped into it, but because the, because of the the onboarding pro systems processes and the ways that we kind of go about it though you know here's a phone you know start dialing start doing whatever and and there's not a whole lot else you're not going to attract people that could be that that higher level success type person and that could really build a an amazing career out of out of real estate no, well, exactly and i mean just look at just look at the difference between well, i'll give you i'll give you the example Look at the difference between where I came from uh, selling life insurance at an agency, which was the, you know, you can fog a mirror, you're hired type of situation, which, okay. But then you look at like, let's just say something like a Morgan Stanley. We're both selling financial instruments, okay? One is selling, you know, through investments and whatever, but then I was selling life insurance and then that obviously had its own investment components, but like, you know, more or less the same thing but world of, world of difference, right? Like whereas, you know, Morgan Stanley, they had an actual hiring process and then therefore they were looked and respected at and, and they, they differentiated themselves from the rest of the market or even like a Goldman Sachs or whatever, like these big investment houses, like you actually have to apply to get a job there. You're still a salesperson. You're still, they, 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 they code it differently or whatever. That's the thing real estate has never done because yeah, I mean, you're, you're um, Jeff, you're right because real, inside of real estate, everything is relative, right? So inside of real estate, everyone looks at real estate as, you know, you, you see the potential, you know how hard you work, uh, you know the difference between, you know, the people that are successful and how intelligent they are versus the, you know, the rounders that'll be here for two to three years and then they'll, they'll you know, they'll wash out and they'll go do something else. But respectfully, the rest of society doesn't look at realtors like that. The rest of society looks at, you know, as realtors as just like these people that are, I couldn't do something else. So you took, went and took a nine month course and you just be, you know, became a realtor or you became, now you're an investor or whatever it is. Like, I, I think that, I think that's a serious shame because I know a lot of realtors. I know a lot of people that are in real estate that are investors that, that do a lot of, and they're very intelligent, hardworking people, but how do you level yourself up and how do you separate yourself from the pack and not be looked at as, you know, something that you're not. But if we don't give ourselves that respect, to actually invest in ourselves in an appropriate way, 
I mean, come on now. What like they, now, they're, they're, that's a problem that I think a lot of people don't want to address. So now we're uh, you know we're we're getting close to the top of the hour here. So let's um, just get into real quick. What would you say are a handful of things that uh, people need to look at? How can people level up in this area? Give us give us some uh, some practical ways that people can level up in this area. First and foremost, I mean, you, um, so if, so if I'm running or building out a team, I mean, you 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 have to have a hiring process. You cannot just post a jo- post a job and then look to try and hire every single person that walks in the door. Okay, so you need to have an appropriate vetting process. I can go very, very like a 10, 10 second overview of, of an example hiring process. All right. So for, first and foremost, when you post a job, do not uh, accept anybody that uh, reapplies to the job, hide a little Easter egg inside of there um, and make, make them actually call a number. So they've actually read uh, the job posting from there. I always make them do a, a video interview. First, we give them uh, different assessments. We give them a Colby, a print and then a Wonderlick. We actually test their aptitude. We, we test their cognitive f- f- uh, functions as well as their affective functions. Will they actually be able to do this job? And then from there, then we'll actually sit down and break it down from what the, what the expectations are and do they actually want to do it. From there, then we once we do hire this individual, then you have to go into a proper onboarding process. It's not, again, don't give them a phone and a piece of paper and say, go make some calls. Train them. Teach them on what it means to be a professional. Start there. If you start there and you control that, everything else will be a lot better off. I mean, then, then you need to maintain and, you know, there needs to be a whole host of accountability and a whole host of other things that we need to do, but that's the starting crux, 100%. Awesome. Jeff, I think you're muted. <laughs> Dang it, it happened. Uh, it still happens to this day. Um, I, I think that if you do that, if, if you learn to hire well, it's uh, it makes the onboarding all, all the more essential. I think the problem is a lot of people, you know, they, they focus on their onboarding. They try to develop their onboarding, but their hiring process is no good. And, and so they get low level talent. They try to put them through an onboarding process. It still doesn't work. Then they blame it on the onboarding process or they think the onboarding process is a waste of time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then they're back to square one. Um, I like what you're saying. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, and I, and I think it really, I think, it re, I think it scares people. I would love to, I would love to see some reactions, right. From people that, that are listening to this and going, Oh my gosh, how, how could I ever do this? Um, because it's, again, it's just not the tradition, but, uh, but I could imagine I could see it really, really taken off in a, in a positive way. So, so what I'm seeing here, um, just want to throw a couple things out um, as we're about to wrap up. You're saying in the posting, definitely do something that it, it makes sure that they're actually reading it, make sure that they're taking action, they're, they're actually calling, and you're going to sift out the people that are, you know, not, you know, not going to be the people that, the lazy people, let's be honest, you know, the lazy people. Well, so here, so this this is this is not unique just to sales, but it is probably most prevalent in sales. I mean, sales attracts like I mean, it's such a low barrier entry, so it attracts a lot of people that you just don't want inside of your organization. So, a lot of times, what I've seen is you got girlfriends and wives applying for their husbands and boyfriends that are just playing Call of Duty all day long on the couch, and she's like, "Get off the couch, do something." So she goes on and tries to you know apply for a sales job for him. I don't want that guy. I I just don't. Um, so effectively what we, and it, this is, this is from the book, um, you know, top grading. And then, and then his son wrote the follow-up, which was who basically what they say is just in your job posting in the middle there, just say, do not reply. So whether it's on indeed LinkedIn, 
you know, ZipRecruiter, wherever it is, it just, you know, right in there, they say, do not reply to this job posting, call this number. And when you call that number, it's a, it's a 1-800 number, it's a recording. Um, and in there, it's, and that's where it gives them direction on where to apply, where to send their resume. Right away, the people that applied to that Indeed posting, you know, didn't read it versus all the people that sent it to that email address, you know, they did read it. They did call it that little, just that little barrier of entry. Watch. You're going to get 90% less resumes just like that alone. But that tells you how many people actually read the, uh, read the uh, job posting versus how many that didn't. If you're not reading the job posting, what you don't even know what you're applying for. Is that really the person you want to hire? So I'm going to say this, and then I know we got to got to close it up, but I'll tell you if you're a real estate agent and you don't call ahead of time and um, yeah, if you don't call ahead of time and pre-qualify, you're just being foolish and you're right there. You're saying pre let, let the system pre-qualify for you so that the people that you get through, you know, are at least one step above terrible. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I know we're, we're about to land this here today. Um, I, I just want, Nikki has a question here over on the, from the Facebook group. She's asking uh, if it's a good idea to hire uh, people from the car sales industry. So I will, I'll say this. It's just coming from the car sales industry is not bad, but if you're looking for specifically car sales people, I think that if it's going to go, uh, you know, levels of terror, uh, insurance um what is it stigma or sorry sorry salespeople stigma i think probably car sales insurance real like they're pretty low so i wouldn't say no but i'm not specifically looking for car sales people and i probably wouldn't want a career car sales person unless they're growth minded if they're a growth minded individual doesn't matter what they've done but car sales there's a lot of good they're they're gritty there's a lot of good that comes with it but there's also a lot of really bad baggage that comes with it as well and I know this because I've worked with a lot of dealerships and I don't like working there. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, brother, take us home. Thank you so much for being here with us. Um, how can people get in touch with you if they want to hire you to, uh, to help them upgrade their sales, uh, their sales process? Yeah. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can always go to rosegardenconsulting.com. That's awesome. That's awesome. Cool. Cool. Jeff, take us home. Absolutely. Hey, friends, uh, this concludes another episode here of the Uncommon Lunchbox with your host, Chris Craddock, myself, Jeff Safright. Lee, thanks for being with us today. Great stuff. And uh, everyone else, we'll see you again uh, next Tuesday, same time, same place. Uh, continue to crush it. Have a great weekend. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Uncommon Real Estate. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with the latest mastermind conversations from Chris, Jeff, and other uncommon real estate industry leaders. If you love this podcast, please write us a review. And to fast track your real estate career, go to chriscraddock.com. 